0: You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Okay, how's everybody doing this morning? Doing good? good. Okay, for those of you who don't know, my name is Neil Bernardino, and I'm the pastor of this church. And uh, again, as Michelle already said, um, we want to welcome you here. And we hope this won't be your last, your, your last visit. We pray that we would see you again. And uh, more importantly, we hope that you would encounter uh, the presence and the love of Jesus in a new and living way this morning, okay? Are you guys ready for the Word? All right, so uh, we are continuing our series on, uh, on I Am. Basically, we're looking at uh, the I Am statements of Jesus. This is actually part two. So th- uh, Jesus had um, mentioned seven statements. So he spoke about himself seven, um, in seven ways. And in this series, we're looking at um, uh, the declarations of Jesus so that we, we would recognize who he is, okay? Um, and the phrase, this phrase, I am, this is taken basically from, uh, also from, from the Old Testament when God revealed himself to Moses. Um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, the Septuagint, um, translated that phrase in Exodus, Chapter three: When when God revealed Himself to Moses as I am, uh, tell them I am sent you. Um, the Greek translation is, of that is the same uh, Greek phrase that's used in the New Testament uh, in the Greek. As the New Testament is written in Greek. Okay, so so when Jesus said I am um, to uh, to the average Jewish hearer listener, that would that took their that got their attention. You know, because nobody says that thing, says that phrase just like that, and and so, by Jesus saying these things, you know, the people were intrigued. Uh, Some wanted to stone him because um, he said he said the name of God, uh, just like this. And so, anyway, without getting into uh, too much into all those nuances, um, these are the seven statements that Jesus made um, of himself. So we are looking at, uh, we're actually looking at the last, uh, the last four. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And today, we're going to talk about, I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, our passage will be on John chapter 11. Now, with that, I'd like to invite everyone to please stand as we read John chapter 11, verses uh, 17 through 27. <clears throat> going to be reading from the English Standard Version, okay, verse 17, Verse, verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This is the Word of God. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your precious Word. Your Word is life. We ask that, Lord, as we hear your message this morning... I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts so that we would know uh, who you are and the power of your resurrection so that we may be able to say, together with Paul, that we want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And this is what we desire. And Lord, we thank you that in you we have life and life everlasting. We ask that your spirit would be with us during the sermon, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> again we, you're, some of you are saying um, didn't we just have a sermon on this yes, two weeks ago okay, we talked about um, the miracle um, that was the last Sunday of our sermon series entitled Beyond the Science and we talked about this miracle that Jesus um, performed, basically uh, the context here is Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead so we talked about that at length last time, and if you remember, if you were here two weeks ago, if you can recall, when we read this passage that we just read a while ago, uh, I mentioned that uh, we're going to be talking more about that particular statement of Jesus on another sermon series, which is this one. Okay, so, but last time, two weeks ago, we talked about and we focused on, we focused on, um, on the sign itself and its impact. Um, among those who are standing with Jesus and with Mary and Martha. Uh, today, we're going to look at the statement of Jesus, the, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay? So uh, that is our focus. We will be focusing on the I am statement. Now, <clears throat> as, uh, as I was, was praying for this sermon, I remembered seeing a video, a, a, a church ad, uh, many, many years ago. Okay? This is a church ad. And uh, so we're going to show a video here. It's really short. <clears throat> and, uh, and this is from a church. It's not our church. It's another church. But I saw it and I looked for it and I finally saw it. So I, I want you to see this, this church ad um, about, uh, and we're gonna, I'm going to explain why. Okay? So this is from another church. Okay? So we're ready. Are we ready? All dressed up for the most important date of your life. Before you're dressed up, know where you're going. Bethany Baptist Church. A church that cares where you're going. <laughs> That's, when I, the first time I saw that many, many years ago, I was like, that is that is an awesome ad. So <laughs> um, you know, we talk about life. But we all have that appointment one day with death, and for some, for all of us, we don't know when that day will come. But we are all aware that it will come, right? It will come, and the question is: Are we ready for it? Um, this thing's not working. So, are we ready for that? Um, is your is our soul is um, is your soul ready for death? Are we ready to face it? Some of us are so afraid of it that we don't want to talk about it. I mean, like, I'm young. I mean, you know, that's some ways off. But for those of you who are older, I mean, like, it's, I'm getting closer to that. So. And some people are thinking about it to the, to the, to the, to the extent that they're, they're really paralyzed by this. I remember when I was younger, you know, when I was a teenager... I had so many brushes with death. I mean, you know, almost, almost dying. uh you know, uh, thank God, you know, he was protecting me, okay? He, was, he delivered me from uh, a lot of those things. You know, I almost died. I almost got run over. I almost, you know, I, I fell in almost. I, 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 you know, I don't want to get into that, but the point is, I had brushes with death and so I was so scared of dying that I remember b- being paralyzed. Sometimes I would just be doing my homework, and then just the thought of that would cross my mind, and I was like, I would like be, be paralyzed at the thought, and I would be afraid. Oh, and a lot of people face this fear of death death is a stark reality then you know the, the context of our passage is Lazarus just dying and how many of you experience a loved one passing away can I just see your hands again I don't want to I don't for some of you it's really you don't want to think about it I'm sorry for reminding you but you know just a couple of um, this last week um, it was my mom's second death anniversary so I was just recalling about recounting my time with my mom and uh, but when, when a loved one dies, we are all faced and gripped with the fact that this is something we will encounter one day. And there's something about death that, that brings us into focus and brings the important things in life into focus once again. Have you experienced that? Sometimes you, you're focused on pursuing one thing and then someone in your family dies and all of a sudden you realize what are the important things in life. And you realize sometimes the, the things that you're pursuing actually don't really matter. Have you, have you experienced that? Have you come to that conclusion at times? Because there's something about death that brings you to the reality of what life is all about. And that life is short. Okay, uh, It's a stark reality then, it's a stark reality today. Now, the, the Jews of this time, now remember Jesus, when Lazarus passed away, a couple of days, uh, Jesus came on the fourth day that, that uh, he had, uh, Lazarus had passed away, and there were still Jews there uh, consoling and, and uh, comforting the family. Okay, so when, when Martha talked to Jesus, and when Mary, her, her sister, uh, spoke with Jesus, when, he, when Jesus arrived in Bethany, some of the Jews were there. Um, they, they saw the, this, this uh, dialogue. Now, the general belief um, then, Martha said, if you had been here earlier, my brother would not have died. So now, just to let you know, the, the common belief of, um, of the Israelites of the day, um, when, a, when a person dies... The spirit of that person hovers near the body for about three days, so that within those three days, they're they're holding out hope that somehow, for a for a you know for a, you know with a miracle that the the spirit would re-enter the the, cor- the corpse and be brought back to life. And I, you know, I um, that was the common belief of the day, and in some cultures they believe that as well. You know, um, <laughs> uh, I remember growing up in my, in, uh, in the Philippines <clears throat> when when someone dies. I think there's about a period of about forty days. Are you from? Fam- how- are you familiar with that? Some of you are familiar with that, right? Forty days, and then after the fortieth day, is it the fortieth, fiftieth, the fortieth day? So. And then you have, um, you know, you have like um, you have you gather your family and friends, and then you pray, and then you you say goodbye permanently, because they say that the spirit has left already. So that's that's something I've heard and I've I've seen, growing up. Um, That's part of the culture. Somehow they believe that the spirit of a person that has died would linger three days, but after three days. <clears throat> the, the spirit would miss the opportunity because the, the, bo- the body would already be decaying. That's why when, when, when Jesus came to Bethany, it was the fourth day. And so when Jesus went to the tomb and he ordered uh, the people to re- uh, remove the stone that covered the tomb, Martha said, Lord, it's already the fourth day. There, there may be a, a, a bad odor already because it's the fourth day. The, the body started, starts to decompose. And so that was a general idea, okay? Um, After the passing of the third day signaled the conclusion of the last uh, um, bit of hope for those who were mourning, okay? So cultural stuff. And with regards to where, what happens after death, there was a prevailing, um, a prevailing, um, theological idea of the time. And the Pharisees would taught the Israelites about resurrection. Now, the Pharisees were the scribes and the teachers of the law, okay? And they taught the law of God, and they taught that there was a resurrection of the dead. There's going to be a day that uh, in the future that everyone will be resurrected, okay? Now, the Sadducees so the Sanhedrin, the, the, the Jew, Jewish ruling council, is comprised of um, of um, of the Sa- Sa- um, Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees, they did not believe they are pragmatists. They were politicians, basically. They were the chief priests, and they're very, but they're very political because of their position in in uh, in society. And so they're pragmatists. So they didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the angels. They didn't believe in. They didn't believe in in, uh, the resurrection. But because the Pharisees were the teachers of the law, most of the people believed what the Pharisees would be teaching. And so it reflects, it's reflected here in what Martha said. I know that he will rise again. When Jesus said, your brother will rise again, she said, I know he will rise again. Um, In uh, in. Funerals, uh, and I've heard this, people say, you know, it's, this is not goodbye, this is see you later. You See, we have that expectation that we will see our loved ones again uh, af- after this life. So it's like that with them. <clears throat> so Martha demonstrated that that was she was holding on to she said yes i believe he will rise again on the resurrection on in the at the resurrection on the last day okay so she was thinking eschatologically what does that mean simply means he, she was thinking of the future she was thinking of the resurrection as an event okay that will happen in the future and here jesus says he didn't say yes the resurrection will happen he said i am the resurrection I am the resurrection and the life okay it's interesting he resurrects and he gives life we're not just talking about you know the walking dead you know, <laughs> reanimated corpses but don't, don't really don't have what life is about okay so Jesus will b- resurrect and bring back life and Martha said, "Yes, I believe you are. The, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the one who was to come." And she understood it theologically. She was correct. She was accurate, but she didn't realize that Jesus had a surprise for her that day. Okay, how many of you love it when Jesus has a surprise for you? <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> she indicated basically belief in the view of uh, the fer- what the Pharisees were teaching. And she also believed, um, Probably, belie- she probably believed in that prevailing mindset that after three days, this, the spirit of a dead person can no longer enter uh, the corpse. So verse 21 says there, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the fourth day. And then in verse 24, it says there, Martha said to him, I know that you will, that he will rise again. So, on, uh, in the resurrection on the last day. Now, let's talk, before we proceed, let's talk about common views of death. Okay? Um, what happens when a person dies? So, we're talking about the views of, the prevailing views of the Jews at the time, and Martha articulated some of those views, expressed some of those views. Um, implied on, on what she said. But let's talk about some of the things that people believe about death. Okay, The first view of death that is very popular in the world, <clears throat> um, it's gaining ground probably, or it's because of the New Age movement. But in Asia, most people believe in the view of, of uh, reincarnation. <clears throat> that after this life you will be moving into another life and hopefully that you become another person you know if you're if you're a poor person and uh, hopefully the next life you you're going to be a rich person but they say it all depends on how 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 you do here on this life if you turn out to be a, uh, an ant the next life that means you've been really bad <laughs> you know <clears throat> so <clears throat> and it is accepted by a lot of people, but nobody has proven that, <clears throat> right? And, and again, this is an idea, this is a, a, um, a, a common view of what happens after death, after life. When you die, what's going to happen to you? A good number, probably, I would say about a billion people believe in reincarnation. Okay, because you know the Hindus believe this. Okay, and how many Hindus? How many Hindus do we have? How many um, how many Hindus do we have in the world? <coughs> okay, probably close to a billion people. <coughs> the next view of death is what we call annihilationism. So, what does this mean? Um, annihilation, annihilationism just simply believes that after you die, you just cease to exist. That's it. There is no afterlife. You just, you're gone. I mean, you're, you're erased. Nothing happens to you. You cease to exist. That's it. This is it. And so this type of a view of death, that you're annihilated after you die, okay, that's why a lot of people who embrace this view tend to embrace also... Um, this this mindset that you you know YOLO <laughs> you all, you you have one life to live right is that is that it you only live once there you go see I'm I'm I'm, I'm not even aware of them. you only live once and you know eat drink and be merry for tomorrow you're gone you're dead so for them that's why those who embrace this kind of uh, idea of death. What they do, they don't see any morality in life. Most of them don't see anything wrong because there's nothing to be accountable to. There's nothing to look forward to. It's just it. They don't believe in the, in, in the afterlife. They don't believe in life after death. So they just do what they want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I will do what I want to do. All right. <clears throat> The last view of death is resurrection. okay? You only have one life and after you die, you will be resurrected and then you will answer for the life that you, the one life that you live. You have only one shot at this life and then after you've lived this life, you are going to be resurrected to answer for the life that you lived here. And this is what Jesus taught. This is what the Bible teaches. Okay, this is what Jesus is speaking of. There let's let's look at um, So let's look at Hebrews 9. There's a verse 27, it says there, and just as it is appointed for man to die once. Okay. And after that comes judgment. So after death, so this statement tells you that there's something that awaits you after you die. So the life that we are living here right now in, in, in the natural realm, or what some theologians would call the, the temporal realm, many of us think this is it. Failing to recognize that there's something beyond just the, the natural physical life. There is the spiritual world, okay? And after we die, we, we die physically. but The Bible teaches that we are not just limited to the physicality of our beings. We are spiritual beings as well in this, in this body, okay, that decomposes, okay? Some of you are looking at your... Looking at the one next to you, yeah, he's not dead, but yet he smells like he's decomposing already. <laughs> After you are, it's appointed for us to die once. There you go, there's that appointment. Is it in your calendar? I, some, are you, am I going to put that in the calendar? Some, oh, appointment? Some of you who really need to put everything in your calendar. You can't put death in your calendar. You don't know when. And I doubt that you want to put it there. But there's that appointment. A one-time appointment. And after that comes judgment. Now the Bible does teach about the resurrection. And then both the wicked and the righteous will be resurrected. And they will face judgment. But it's two different types of judgments. For the righteous... It's not a judgment of the wicked where they're going to be they're going to be sentenced to an eternity uh, to, to an eternal um, sentence of justice of judgment, but for the righteous, it's going to be a they're going to be judged for how they live, it's more a judgment of rewards, what kind of rewards you will get. okay So two different things now. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." That means death is not final when it comes to Jesus. It's not final. The Hebrew um, understanding as well: when when a person dies, the spirit, the spirit of the dead person, after you know, if it did not make it back to the to the body within the three day window. It will enter a place called Sheol, okay? S H E O L. Okay, it's a place where, where um, those, the spirits of the dead are, are kept. It's in the underworld. Again, this is a worldview of the ancient times, okay, of ancient Israel. Okay, in the ancient Near East mindset, there is a, a repository of, for dead souls. Okay, in, um, uh, in Greek mythology, it's, it's a place called. Um, you know, where it's Hades, okay? So this is their mindset. This is what they believed in. But even when they believed that, Jesus' power extends beyond this life and even can reach into that spirit of of a person. That's why when when he said to Lazarus, here we go, he said in a loud voice, no, I'm not going to shout, like last time he said Lazarus come out he spoke was he just speaking to the to the to the to the corpse no he was speaking to the very spirit of that of Lazarus wherever he was and he was brought back into his into his body miraculously can you imagine going back to a decomposed body no god restored him and he didn't even smell like a decomposed uh, body. That's the power of Jesus. And so when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he did not say, I will be. He said, I am. That day that you're looking forward to, when you, that day that you see as an event, actually, it's going to happen because of me. I will give life. I will resurrect. And he proved it to, to, to Martha and to Mary and to everybody around them. He was the resurrection and the life. And he kind of like gave like a, like a little foretaste of that. The foretaste of resurrection. He resurrected Lazarus back from the dead. But was that the life that... And Lazarus died after that, a few years after that. So what did what Jesus uh, do did not last? No. It was just a foretaste. The resurrection that Jesus is ta- really talking about is the fullness of, 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 of his power. We are resurrected unto life so that we can be in eternity. His resurrection power is not just limited to this, this life. His resurrection power is for all eternity. Okay? So, what, is, what are the implications of Jesus' As the resurrection and the life. So when Jesus said, um, <clears throat> and when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he said there, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And the first implication is this, of that statement. That death is overcome. How many of you think that death is once something dies, that's it. At, at least from the perspective of this life, it's done. You can't change anything. But with Jesus, physical death—I mean, he, if He can give you eternity, He can be. He can give you what you're concerned for in the temporal. Death is overcome. He also said, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. <clears throat> I don't know if we have it there. Sip, um, could you go to John 11, verses 25 and 26? There you go. We have it there. <clears throat> Jesus said to him, I am the resurrection. Uh, said to her, Is that her? Yeah. I am the resurrection and the life. Look at this. He, whoever believes in me, though he die, what, what is he speaking of here? What's the kind of death he was speaking of here? It's the physical death. Though he die, yet shall he live. So what kind of life will there be after, the, after physical death? And see, it was not just, it was not just natural life that he's talking about. Look at this. And then in verse twenty six, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Wait a minute, this is confusing. I'm confused. You see, Jesus, when he talks about life and life, death, especially in this context, he's not talking about just your physical life. He's talking about the greater aspect of life, which is eternal life. Okay. Can you check if you're alive today? Can you do this? Do this. <sighs> Hope you brushed your teeth. You have breath? <sighs> it's your breath in our lungs. <laughs> We're alive, right? Check the person next to you they're alive. Yeah. They look dead. <laughs> okay? Okay. Um. <laughs> Jesus' greater reality is not just the the physical. His greater reality is rest in the eternal. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies physically, yet he will live again. And that live again is not just you're going to be just raised from the dead to live your life again the way you lived it. You're going to be it's going to be a, new, a newness. There's going to be a new life. And the life that he's talking about here is eternal life. The gift that he will give. Verse 26, and everyone who, believe, who lives and believes in me shall never die. And this second phrase of shall never die, wait a minute. It says he, he died, and then here shall never die. So this is physical. Here it's talking about the second death. The eternal death. The death that is graver than just the physical. Okay? If if anyone... If everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. Well, maybe... Maybe Jesus is asking that to you today. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Can you really really believe what Jesus is saying? Okay, again, ask the person next to you. Do you believe this? You're saying, why does he always tell us to ask the person next to us? (laughs) Because these are comfortable chairs, a lot of people fall asleep. So I wanna make sure, I wanna make this interactive. (laughs) And <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six, it refers to death as the last enemy. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the last enemy. That's why tyrants and uh, dictators said, this is the greatest weapon, is to inflict death. That's the greatest weapon... Um, tyrannical rulers would use. That's why people are afraid because once you die, that's it. There's finality to it. And that's why people are afraid of dying and they don't know what to expect. Are you ready for your appointment with that? Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know where you're going? God's answer to this enemy Is Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha accurately believed who Jesus is, and Jesus validated that belief um, by raising Lazarus from the dead. But Martha did not expect that to happen. She was expecting Lazarus to be raised from the dead on the last day, on the day of the resurrection. That is true, but she didn't realize. Jesus was going to do this for, it, for her. But Jesus did that not because, oh, you know, because you're close to me and I'm going to give you favor. I'm not close to them, but we're close. We're, you're good. I'm going to do this for you. A lot of people think it's like that. No, Jesus said this will not end in death. If you look at the context, you look at, I think it's in verse 4 when Jesus found out that Lazarus died. Jesus said, this is not going to end in death. So Martha accurately believed Jesus. And there's no greater problem today than death itself. But here's the good news. In Jesus, death is defeated. He is the resurrection and the life. Eternal life trumps death. Jesus died on the cross. And here's the thing. Look at this. Jesus died on the cross. He encountered death. But did he remain dead? Did he remain dead? Jesus died to take the penalty to pay for the penalty of our sins. He took our place. But he died. He went through death to defeat death, the last enemy. And on the third day, look at this, <clears throat> how the Jews believed it. They believed that after the third day, no more hope, right? So that was their prevailing mindset. There's no more hope. Why did Jesus rise from the dead on the third day? Why not after, you know, why, didn't, why did he have to die? Because he had to defeat death. He had to face death. You know, he, he wanted to defeat this last enemy. And the prevailing mindset of the Jews at the time is this. After three days, that's it. Death wins. But look what happened. After three days, what did Jesus do? He rose again from the dead. Death could not hold him. Death had no power over him. Because he had no sin. Death has power over those who are affected by sin. But Jesus had no sin of his own. Death had no, had no power over Jesus. He death could not hold Jesus and keep it in the keep him in the grave. He rose again. That's why the Bible says, "Death has been defeated." Where oh death is your sting, and that's why if we look for the Christians, the message of the gospel was so powerful that you know death has been defeated. It did not matter to them because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because they, they placed their faith in Him who is their resurrection and life. Death became inconsequential. Come on now. Because Jesus promised He will, he will save them. And that's why we had people who believed, so, who put their faith in Christ, who, who, did not, who, um, who was not, they were not afraid to die because death was not the final thing. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's the transition to the life everlasting. Paul said, <clears throat> "You know, I want to go home. I, I want to go home. If I die, then you're doing me a favor. You're sending me home. There's nothing I want than to be home with God. You're sending my spirit home. You kill me today. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. You, ki- you if you if if you kill that was his perspective. If you kill me today, you're doing me a favor, you're sending me home early. But if I if the Lord allowed me to stay here, to stay here longer, that means I'm still going to do productive labor for the kingdom. That means I'm going to preach the gospel while I have breath. And no one's going to stop me. Because he. You can't threaten me with death. That's what happens when you get to know the, the, the Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. That's the, the desire of Paul. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And for Him to share in His life and even in His death, he saw that, Paul saw that as a privilege. Now I'm not telling everybody here to go and die. <clears throat> but when it comes to that, that's why we have the martyrs today. <clears throat> the church father said this, you know, <clears throat> the church, you know, the, the, you know, the church basically it's founded in the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But it is through the blood of the martyrs that caused the church to grow. You look at, you look at the story, look at Acts. The church was persecuted, <clears throat> first by the Jews. Saul, before he became an apostle, before he became a believer, he was leading the persecution for, of, the, of, of, the, of the Christians. He was going from city to city, exposing them, arresting them, having them tortured, or even killing them. When Stephen was, was stoned to death, Saul was there, giving approval to what was taking place. And Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, you know what? He didn't go, oh, please stop, please, okay, I'll recant. He didn't say that. When, while he was being stoned to death. You know, and again, for those of you who grew up in the 70s, being stoned means something else. <clears throat> That's not what I'm talking about here. So when he was being stoned, he saw the glory of Christ. He saw Jesus in heaven standing. Jesus gave him a standing ovation. my son right there. And then, and then the Bible says his face was just like an angel. He was being stoned. See, death was inconsequential. When you see death as inconsequential then you will do what normal people would think. You'll do crazy things for God. Come on now. That's why people went, went, and went out on missions. These are the crazy folks. I mean, the Moravians, they were so crazy, the, the people said, <clears throat> that they, they went out even to the leper colonies and became lepers themselves just so that they can preach the gospel to the lepers. And their motto in life is not this, that I may make a name for myself. No, they're, the Moravians, the Moravian missionaries, their motto was this. You know, they said... That the lamb would receive the reward of his sufferings. Oh, we're going to go to the ends of the earth. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about us, our, 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 our conveniences, our preferences. What matters is that people need to hear this message. And if I'm going to pour out my life so that these people can, can hear the message and be saved, and so be it, I'm saved anyway. What can death do to me? What can man do to me? That's the kind of mentality they had. And that's the kind of mentality that caused us to be the church today. Can you imagine if the early church wimped out? Can you imagine that? <clears throat> if Peter and Paul, were, they were, they were uh, brought before the emperor. You stop this right now. Okay, okay, okay. Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Okay, we'll stop. Guys, stop it, okay? We're going to die. When they were threatened by the Pharisees, by the by the, the the Jewish ruling council, they were arrested. They were beaten to death, and they were threatened: "Stop doing this, okay? You stop doing this right now. You stop preaching this about Jesus. We are the authorities here. You obey us." What did what did uh, Peter say? You know, is it right to obey? We would rather obey God than man. If you're calling us to make a choice between obeying man and obeying God and there's no other choice, we will obey God. doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do to us. Are you here today? Are you hearing this? That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus. It will drive the fear of death out of your life. Now, I'm not saying you live your life. Don't be stupid. I'm not afraid to die. So let's... Ski, you know, let's do, take the double, tri, double diamond or triple diamond trail, you know. So anyway, when we die, we go straight. We're not, I'm not taught, Jesus is not taught, teaching about stupidity, okay? But when it comes to it, when, you're when your witness comes to the point where you, your life is endangered, what are you going to do? Martin Luther was at that place. His reputation He was, you know, all his life's work, he was uh, on his child because of his writings. He was a Catholic monk, but he read the Bible and began to teach the Bible, began to see that righteousness is not gained by works. Righteousness is received by faith. Trusting in Jesus, started preaching that, and he started going against some of the, the bad practices of the church, he was accosted, he, was, he had a trial, and he was commanded to recant all his works, all his books. It was, it was, they were there, they were burned, and he was ordered to recant, or he's going to be threatened to, to be uh, excommunicated. And he said, I can't deny my conscience. I can't deny the truth. I'm ruined by the truth already. I cannot compromise the truth, and if you want me to compromise that truth, that's not going to happen. Here I, here I stand. I stand on the truth, and he was excommunicated. And as a matter as as that happened, the Protestant Reformation took place. He didn't start a a rebellion against the church; he wanted to reform the church, but he was kicked out. You see, death in Jesus, death is defeated. Where, oh death, is your sting? And it's the last enemy. The second implication of Jesus being the, the, our resurrection and life is that eternal life is given. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that's what he gives, eternal life. Going back to our main text, he says, "There, everyone yet." Um, it says, that "Yet shall he live, though he die. Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die." That is speaking of eternal life, and eternal life is not granted to any who tries to be religiously good. By doing, good, you, by, by doing good works, that you're not going to attain righteousness. You're not going to attain etern- eternal life by your own efforts. See, salvation and eternal life is only given by Jesus and we have to receive it only by faith. Trusting in what Jesus already did, has done for us at the cross. And the life here that Jesus spoke about, uh, here, so... I am the resurrection and the life, and this life, the eternal life, he's talking about. In the Greek, it's Zoe life. Zoe. Everybody say Zoe. I'm not even sure if that's. A, I remember. I, I I I have a software that that speaks out the the Greek word. Okay, so it says Zoe, but I can't I can't pronounce it the way the Hebrew the Jews would pronounce it. Okay, so let's pronounce it the way we would all understand Zoe. Okay, how I many of you know a person named Zoe? Zoe, right? Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, Zoe Saldana. So that's where they got it, okay? Zoe, and it's the life of God. When you talk about life, the natural life, it's the Greek word for natural life is bios. That's why you have biology, the study of natural life. But God does not just give natural life; He gives eternal life, and it's the life that He breathes into us, the life that is eternal. John 6.51 says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. In other words, if anyone partakes of me, of who I am, if you put your faith in me, you will live forever. It's the same thing. Faith. Anyone who believes will have eternal life. John 8.51, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So keep his word, and if you keep obeying his word, there will come a point where you will really just obey because you believe. It's not just because he said it. It will come to a point well, you will really believe in Jesus in everything. You'll 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 embrace Him. Basically, you're giving Him to yourself. Hook line and sinker. I'm all in. Like today, if you ask me, are there challenges in life? Yes. Are there questions I can't answer? Yes. Do I have questions about life? Yes. Do I have questions, you know, to God that I would like to ask? Yes. But if you ask me in my heart, I mean, I'm sold out for Jesus. I've given my heart to Him. He is my Lord. Am I perfect? No. That's why I submit to Him because He is my Lord. In those areas where, on those areas of imperfection, He deals with me lovingly, and He transforms me into His image. That's what He does uh, to all of us who believe. Eternal life is given to those who put their faith in the the resurrected Christ. Lastly, this eternal life and the resurrection power of Jesus, these are all received by faith. Faith in Christ is a necessary response. You see, faith is what is needed to receive it, but it's also what is produced when you receive it. It produces greater faith in you. How many of you I have been a believer in, in Jesus for quite some time now. You're not a new believer. okay? Now, how many of you could say that your faith today is greater than your faith the first time you, put your, you, the first time you believed in Jesus? Right? You trust Him a lot more now. You, you, you trust Him more. You have a greater understanding. Before, when you would go into a situation, you'd go, Lord, why is this happening? Now you go, Lord, uh, why is this happening? It will come to the point that, okay, Lord, I don't understand what's happening, but I know you're good. So even if I don't understand what's happening here, I'm going to continue to trust you because out of this, something good will happen. There's going to be a testimony after this. I may not understand it now. You see, I trust in you. You're good. That's what faith is. Trusting in, yourself, trusting in God and committing yourself to, it, to the one you trust Okay, we have to believe in him again. Going back to our main text, whoever believes. See, that's the thing. That's a qualifier. Jesus didn't say whoever goes to the small group, uh, you know, with perfect attendance. You know, some of us we come here late. Now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we come late and sometimes we go, late again. and you're condemned. You know, Jesus loves you. You know, we would expect you to, you know, to, to, to uh, make a bigger effort to be here on time, but, you know, he doesn't condemn you. You know what I'm saying? He loves you in spite. He loves, you in spite, he loves us in spite of our shortcomings, our, difficult, our, our failures. George Mueller, one of the great, great men of faith in, in church history, said this. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. You see, when there's nothing else you could do, it seems like there's nothing that's going to... Lord, what else can we do? I mean, it's, there's nothing else that I could think of. I'm, I'm trapped. That's the time. He goes, exactly. Now put your faith in me. Let me pull you out of that. Let me give you the miracle. You can't, we cannot produce the miracles of God. Only He can do that. And faith operates where our ability ends. Many times we trust so much in our abilities. But there are situations where there's nothing we can do but have raw faith in God. And that's when God is pleased. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews said. Amen? Verse 40, John 11. uh, Verse 40 says, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I was thinking about this. (coughs) Excuse me. So so we were just worshiping. This is not during the time when I prepared this. Just a while ago, (laughs) Moses asked the Lord, Show me your glory. And God said, no. As a matter of fact, there, there are places in the Bible that says, you know, if you can't see the glory of God and, and continue to live. But here Jesus is saying, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You will see. Wow, what a privilege. God said no to Moses. Come on now, that's Moses. I mean, you can't get any more righteousness. Come on now. If you compare your righteousness with Moses, you compare yourself with Moses, I mean, we're like, mm. we're so far away from Moses, you know, we can't even compare ourselves to him. And God said no to him. And here, Jesus is saying, believe, you'll see the glory of God. He's opening the invitation. And when he died, symbolically, the, the moment he died, that veil that covered the Holy of Holies, representing the presence of God in the temple, tore, exposed the Holy of Holies and to the horror of the priest there, oh, oh, we're going to die. But they didn't die. So the, what, did, what was God speaking there? He was saying, you now have, the, the, the veil has been torn, the barrier has been removed, you now have access to God through the Son. He made it possible. And even though you die physically, if you put your faith in Christ, if you believed in Him, You may die physically. All of us will die physically. But the physical death is not the end. He will give us eternal life. And the good news is he gives eternal life right now, even before you die. So that when you physically die, you just transition into eternity. And then he will resurrect you with a new body. The resurrection body. Okay? And that's the hope that we have. You see, if the resurrection, if Jesus did not resurrect, then our faith is futile. We are still in our sins, and we are to be pitied most on earth because we believed in a lie. But the thing is, he, it's not a lie. That's why he, he died. He proved it. He died, and he rose again. He's alive forevermore, and he says, I am the resurrection. Put your faith in me. You don't have to be afraid of death. That's so all. stand right now. And I'd like to leave you with that. See, Christ has power over death. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be paralyzed by death. Honestly, how many of you, how many of you really could, could be honest with, with yourselves today that I have been afraid of death? If, have, you, have, you been, have you been afraid of death at some point? You see, if you put your faith in Christ, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. And that is the testimony when we see people who understand the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And let's say they're going through cancer and Jesus did not choose to heal them. They're okay with it. Many of us say, no, Jesus, you have, for us to believe you, you have to heal. He, he is the healer, yes. He may, he may or may not heal. So if we should be okay with that. You see, God's glory is not about meeting our needs so that he would see it's all about him being preeminent in our lives that even in death we are saying we are acknowledging our allegiance to Jesus Lord whether you give us the miracle or will you allow us to die we will, we will praise you Job said naked I came to the earth naked shall I depart the Lord gives the Lord takes away May the name of the Lord be praised. In other words, it doesn't matter what happens to us. And you see, that's when God is glorified the most. That's when God's glory is revealed in and through us. When we go beyond ourselves and we all become, it's about Jesus. That He is preeminent in our lives. Amen? From the natural perspective, Paul was martyred. Peter, the Apostle Peter, was crucified upside down. Some of the apostles were sawed in half. Some of them were decapitated. Some of them were burnt in oil. The Apostle John, he was put in in a vat of of boiling oil, yet he survived. But all of them faced death, physical death. I mean, is that what it's like to become a Christian? No. There's so much more in them that death did not matter. They were seeing something beyond the life, this life. And that's why we, we talk about them today. Death was inconsequential to them. But their eternal life, their life and the way they follow Jesus is of great consequence to us today. That's why their lives and their examples are making an impact in our lives today. That's what it is. They were a blessing. How many of you want Jesus to be glorified in your life? To be revealed? It's not about us. God wants us to live in the resurrection power of Jesus. I'd like to end this as I'm going to pray. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Did He raise everybody from the dead at that time? No. He just used that to demonstrate, you see. Now my question to you is, what is your Lazarus today? Jesus may choose to resurrect your Lazarus or not. How are you going to be with that? You should be okay with that. But Jesus may, because of His mercy, He may, whatever His purpose for your life is, Maybe for one person, the purpose is to resurrect that Lazarus. But for another person, God's purpose is to let let the glory of God be revealed through the death of that Lazarus. Come on now. Are you here with me? So whatever your Lazarus is here today, let's not hold on to Lazarus. Let's hold on to Jesus. Amen? Let's all bow our heads and let's, let's pray. If you have a Lazarus, maybe a situation, maybe a relationship, it, it, it may be something you're, it may be a dream that you have, and it seems like it has died. We should be okay with it, and just like Martha, Lord, Lord, we wish that it didn't die, but it did. But I know, I trust in you. You are the, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is to come, and I know on the last day you're going to make everything okay. So I put my trust in you. If you choose to raise up this Lazarus today, praise God, thank you. But if not, praise you as well. Let your glory be revealed. Lord, right now we lay down our Lazarus. Lord, we lay down all these things and we commit them to your hands. Whatever your will is, let your will be done. Let your glory be revealed. And if you so choose, if you so determine to raise our Lazarus, then it will be for your glory, not for, for just to meet our needs. It will be for your glory. So Lord, today, we say, we settle in our hearts. Lord, whatever you do, here's our Lazarus. Do as you please. And whatever your decision is, if you're going to raise the Lazarus up or not, Lord, our hearts are resolved today. We are going to praise you. Let your will be done. Father, right now, I pray that we would put our trust in you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Many of us are paralyzed by this fear of death. Lord, thank you that you defeated death and the grave. And Lord, we don't have to be afraid. We could live this life the way you call us to without being paralyzed or intimidated or bullied by Satan and by his weapon of death. And Lord, we thank you that in you, We have eternal life. May we desire what Paul desired in him saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I desire for Jesus to be glorified in my life. And that's my prayer today. Lord, that's my prayer for all of us here today that you would be glorified in their lives. Lord, that you would be Lord, that you would be preeminent. That whatever your will is, that's that's what we will say yes to. And Lord, we know that your perfect will for us is not going to relegate us to oblivion or to obscurity. Your perfect will for us will cause us to be vessels of your righteousness and you're going to use us to reveal your glory to the world. Lord, help us to be a blessing. And help us to see our lives beyond our lives. Thank you. Lord, we are your temple. We are your throne. Take your place. Rule and reign. And let your glory be revealed in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Praise God. God bless everybody. We're dismissed.